Leadership Institute podcast. I'm Carol Malinsky, Director of Content and Curriculum for the Institute, and with me today is a very special guest, one of my most favorite people in the whole wide world, Robin Swift, who is president of SLI. And we have got a jam-packed podcast for you today. We are going to try to accomplish a lot of things. So hold on to your hats and get ready for the ride. We think you'll really enjoy it. The first thing that we want to tackle this morning is we're going to have the opportunity to listen to a, um, a recorded keynote message by our CEO and founder, Art Barter, back in 2016. And I don't know if you remember this or not, Robin, but it was called, Can You Spare Some Change? Remember yes, that? yes, I do. Yeah. And first of all, thank you, Carol. It's so great to be here with you and everyone today. As we listen to this great keynote, I remember when uh, Art came up, or probably you and Art collaborating, came up <laughs> yeah. with that title, and we're like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> it really is, because as we know, servant leadership is probably one of the biggest changes a person can can uh, tackle in their life. And so it was a very, very appropriate title for this um, keynote for a lot of reasons. Right. Many, many uh, layers of, of meaning. Right. That. Right. So why don't we, without further ado, get started and begin our listening. And then Robin and I are going to be interjecting um, with our kind of our own color commentary as we go along. Looking forward to it. So yeah. off we go. And here's Art. Okay. What's it feel like to be with like-minded people? Leaders, what's it feel like? It feels cool, doesn't it? I am so excited about this, I, I can't tell you. I've been looking forward to this week. So I'm not sure I'm gonna get through my presentation because I'm too excited. <laughs> and my staff knows when I get excited, I tell stories. So they're not sure what's gonna come out of my mouth, so they're, they're back there praying for me right now. <laughs> you guys are in for a treat. An unbelievable treat in the next two days. We have some leaders that are going to help shape how you think. Think about your behaviors. Ah, it's going to be so cool. So you get to start off with me today. I'm going to talk for a little bit about behaviors. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about why we need to change our behaviors as leaders. We used to, you know, we call it the power model. I'm changing my mindset with that. I really think it's leadership malpractice. Leadership malpractice. Let's call it what it is. All right? Because we've all seen the results of power leadership, haven't we? Anybody here not been involved with the power leadership type model? I didn't think so. I have. I was trained in that model. I did it really well. My wife, Lori, tells me I can clear a conference room in about two seconds using the power model of leadership. And so my transformation started late in life. Uh, and uh, we're still working on it. Leadership malpractice. What a great phrase that is. And so descriptive, I think, of what goes on, unfortunately, in many, many companies. Mm -hmm. And most of us have um, 
dealt with it in some way or another. Robin, how do you feel that the power model has impacted you personally? Well, probably a lot of people can relate, think back of a power leader mm -hmm. and then wanting to lead differently, knowing the impact that had on you. Yeah, yeah. So actually sort of a, a bad situation that could be turned to good in a sense when you have that realization that you don't want to lead the way that particular person is leading. Um, I've shared the story with you and I'll, I'll share it with our audience because I think it in, encompasses um, both the good and the bad within it. I had a situation many years ago where I was um, doing a task that was part of my job and um, it had to do with a shipment of products and it was worth a lot of money. And I had given instruction for it not to be shipped. Um, and the person that I gave that instruction to went ahead and let it ship and denied the fact that I had ever said, don't ship it. My immediate boss, when I told her um, what had happened, responded with these wonderful words. Well, I don't know what I can do to help you. In other words, wow. you're you're on you're your own. On your own. <laughs> Good you're luck. out there on the lifeboat, and it's you know leaking. Um, the good part of the story is when it went to our next her next level of management was a gentleman who was our leader, and his comment was, "If Carol said not to ship it, then they shouldn't have shipped it." Wow, so trust. So trust and just the polar opposite um, of the way that this uh, young woman had acted um, at the time. But I've never forgotten that, and that was like, you know, 20 years ago at least. Um, probably more like 30 if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just a wonderful example of this, um, you know, her being frightened really to support her employee but yet at the next level showing this trust this trust and what a profound difference that makes absolutely absolutely so that's really you know just my own story that comes to my mind when uh, when i think about power leadership versus uh, a servant-led approach. Yeah, that's a great example. I thought of one too that I'd love to share with you. Sure. Um, this was back when I first started in radio, many, many years, right mm -hmm. out of college. And so, you know, I was still getting my AC legs, if you will. And I was on the air, um, and it was very critical that we meet the network. So one had to be very proficient on words used to get right oh, on spot with, with connecting with the NBC network. And um, as I was in that heat of the moment trying to make sure everything was spot on, I would see back in the day when we had the phones with all the little light phone banks, yes. one would be blinking. And as soon as I was done, there was a program director just pointing out everything I had done wrong during my broadcast. Oh, boy. And granted, I needed to learn. I needed yeah. to get better. But it was so diminishing. And yes, it motivated me to get better, but to get better to leave, to move to another organization. So the servant leader <laughs> motivates, but in a way that makes you inspired and feel that you matter there and you want to stay, right? That's when we right, talk about right, engagement. Right. So if we talk about that just in the real, um, it's such a classic example of flipping that pyramid. 
so that the leader who is now at the bottom of that pyramid is there to equip and to inspire those people that are in in a sense above him in the pyramid Mm -hmm. and that's what you needed exactly so when people say what is servant leadership the servant leader first of all timing (laughs) let the person finish their job yeah maybe a face-to-face versus calling them i mean sometimes you have to do things over the phone granted or internet whatever but in this case there was time to let me you know gather myself and pick a moment face to face and if you don't have anything good to say which we don't want to be fake as servant leaders and make things up right but inspire like i know you can do better and here's some things that i think are really going to help you be better but maybe you can point out you did this this and this that was spot on keep doing that but over here we need some things to improve so you can you know, reach your potential that we see in you, something like that. Right. And don't you think that by doing that and presenting it in that way, in the same conversation, if there's something that's just totally, you know, should not have been said or should not have been done, you can bring it up. Mm -hmm. You can say going forward, you know, I don't want you to, to ever be in a situation where you say this Mm -hmm. or you do this. It is so much easier for a person to accept that after you've set this environment that you're there to support them. Right. So they know you care. Right. (laughs) Not feeling every day like they're just waiting to drop the hatchet on you Mm -hmm. because they've been so negative. Exactly. Really, really important. Well, let's, let's go back in and rejoin our speaker. And here's Art. We're going to share some things with you this morning on why it's so important for us to change the way we think about leadership. And it's going on in our world right now. You just gotta, you just gotta watch about what's going on on TV, right? It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable. What if, what if we serve first? We built trust in our organizations. We lived our values, we live them. Not just talk about them, but we live them. We listen to understand, not just listen, not just be present in the room when someone's talking, but we listen to understand. Listening is a form of love. I had to learn that when my team rated me the lowest in listening. I thought I was a great listener. The survey was wrong. We had to redo the questions because the results weren't right. I went home on Friday night, told Lori, my wife, what happened? She said, tell me something I don't already know. (laughs) I came home looking for help, and she confirmed what I'd already been told. I didn't like it, but I wanted to serve, so I went and did some research on listening, and it was all about love. If you care about people, you'll listen to them, but just listen to understand on top of that. And there's a whole lot that goes into that. Think about your thinking. When was the last time we as leaders went into an office or found our place and turned off our electronic devices, our computers? What if you walked in your office and shut down every electronic device in your office? Would you be able to take it for five minutes? Or would you start shaking after five minutes? All right? It's become so much of our life. We need time to think. Find that place to think. Think about your thinking. Think about your thinking is probably my most favorite 
and my most dreaded <laughs> servant leadership behavior. It's so deep, it runs so deep in a person's being, and it's something that really affects all of us to begin the practice of really thinking about the way we think. Um, do we, you know, Art talks about taking time to reflect, which is absolutely critical and sort of natural to the process of, of getting into thinking about your thinking. But for me, the probably the biggest factor in there is this concept of useful versus non-useful mm. thoughts. And you see it all over the place. <laughs> um, certainly in our businesses where, um, you know, people start thinking things that may not even be true, but that's how they guide their life. In other words, they hear one little piece of gossip and all of a sudden, you know, they're off to the races. So if they hear business is a little slow, automatically they take five jumps forward and, you know, we're going to lose our jobs. So now you're dealing mm -hmm. with employees that are very upset um, and it may not be grounded. In fact, it probably isn't grounded in reality at all. So a person really needs to look at, you know, is this, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this way, I'm thinking this way, is this really true? And if you're fortunate, you have um, people you can talk to about that mm -hmm. who can not necessarily give you, you know, guarantees or the right answer, but um, at least to change up your thinking. So a leader needs to think about their own thinking, certainly, um, but they also need to help their employees, I think, to think more about their thinking. Great point. Yeah, because it's, um, I mean, that's like re-aligning re your brain pathways in some cases, and I know we're not psychologists or counselors, but there are things we can do with folks um, to help them start thinking in terms of, you know, asking themselves questions like, is this really true? Is, is what I'm really thinking true? really yeah. true? Always a great or, question. Isn't it? And I know, and I know, Robin, you, you have some feelings, some thoughts about self-awareness and servant leaders. Yes, because people are always asking us about servant leadership in terms of how it's different mm -hmm. than any other form of leadership. And this one behavior in particular that stands out so profoundly for you, Carol, I think is is a key. Being that the servant leader with this particular practice becomes more self-aware. Mm -hmm. And that's why a servant leader is a level five leader. If you're familiar with many of you, I'm sure, with John Maxwell's work and mm -hmm. the greatest of all leaders are level five, the servant yeah. leader. Because one has to first, which you pointed out, be aware of their own thinking yeah. and patterns yeah. and, and where that's taking them in order to be effective for others and to reframe, as you're saying, a situation, mm -hmm. you yourself have to be more aware of it to, to lead. Right. So for me, that's been probably the, the biggest area I've also really poured myself into. 
um, and to pause before I mm. say something. Yeah. <laughs> which is wow, not what a easy. great idea. <laughs> well, we just say whatever crosses our mind, which can be fun and interesting and dangerous <laughs> at times, but not useful always, yeah. right? Yeah. Is this really useful to say, to contribute to at this time? Um, so that pause, that emotional intelligence, a big world out there in emotional intelligence. So for the servant leader, this particular practice, as Carol pointed out, the depth of it takes you to another layer of self-awareness that just you just keep going. I mean, yeah, yeah, forever. And the other thing that crossed my mind when you were talking about that, Robin, is you know, sometimes we have folks that report to us that are not our favorite people. I mean, that's just a fact, right? Right. And so this thinking about our thinking and being self-aware, recognizing the fact that you're, you're feeling this way, and then using that pause tool with someone that you have difficulty with, I think is just invaluable. Absolutely. So that was a really, that's a really good uh, point to bring up. It got me. It got me going down that trail of, you know, what do we do when there's just people that aren't our cup of tea? Right. No, that's a great point. And also to Art's point about taking time, I took about 20 minutes before this podcast and just removed myself in another room and just did some meditation, if you were, to, to gather my thoughts, mm-hmm. um, to realize all the other things going on right now. We're running a business here and everything going on, which is day to day. But the motivation behind that is to serve. Yeah. I mean, we want this podcast to be useful for people. Right. So if you could come from a place that by taking that time, like Art talks about, isn't selfish, that you're actually going to do a better job probably and serve people better if you will take that time. So both points are important. I think you're making, Carol, that the time and then evaluating is this useful. Yes. In dealing yes. with many situations, difficult people, et cetera. Yeah. So you've really, to me, you've really... Um, encapsulated what Art is talking about when he says take that time to reflect. So thank you for that. That was really important. Let's let's go back and see what our, our servant leader is talking about. Increase our influence. Isn't that what leadership is all about too? Is influence? Ken will tell you it's all about influence. It's all about influence. If you watch the video clip, the team was looking at one of their team members in kind of like disbelief. That was, they were influencing their team just by what he was saying. That's the influence that we're all about. And then live our transformation. Now, this is a tough one. Because in the book, it doesn't say, just live our transformation with the people we like. Or the people that's within our social box of acceptability. Isn't it our responsibility to treat people with dignity and respect, regardless of who they are? Regardless. So if you're going to be a servant leader, you've got to live your transformation with everyone that comes in contact with you. Not just those people you like. Biggest challenge of a leader is to go live transformation and treat someone that they don't like, that's not on board with what they're doing in the company, not living up to values, and treat them the same way you do with people you like. Big, big challenge. Indifference in leadership is one of the worst things you can do to people, is treat them with indifference. That isn't part of the servant leadership model. So we're going to challenge you with what ifs in your behaviors, because that's where we think leadership 
really is going to take place is in, in your behaviors. We can talk about it. We can teach it. You could even use the word walk your talk. We don't believe that's the right phrase. What we believe is behave your talk. Back up your behavior. Your, your behavior shows it in your walk. Everywhere you go, you behave the same way. Now, that doesn't mean that everything you do, has to, you have to have the same reaction. I'm not that person. I have emotions all the time that come out and go, I really don't like what's going on here. But leaders know their weaknesses. And they work on them. And they understand them. And they understand the impact on people. We're going to help you understand the behaviors of servant leadership. And talk about implementing them in your work. In your life. Why is it so important? Disengaged. $11 billion in turnover. $11 billion is lost in turnover. 71% not fully engaged. 70% of our workforce today is not engaged. That's in the United States, folks. They're not engaged. Anybody you know in your organization that's just going along for the ride? Just going through the motions? They've kind of given up on life? Don't we have a responsibility to impact that, that life and help them through that? 75% quit on their bosses. 75%. Now, if you don't think that's going on in your organization today, think again, because it is. It is. We've been at servant leadership now for 12 years. I have this in my organization today. Because people bring their experiences to work. And they bring their life experiences to work. And just because we're servant leaders, that they're not going to change those files they have in their brain. They're just not going to change it because, hey, we're a servant-led organization and you have to change. You have to help them replace that file they have in their brain with a positive experience. And something that they want to be part of. Behave differently and talk to people. Well, those were some pretty staggering statistics. $11 billion we spend or is lost due to turnover. And 73% of employees not engaged. And, you know, those stats aren't, aren't, uh, are probably 2016 stats, but I'm sure, I'm sure the statistics are the same, if not higher. And so, you know, what do we do about that? And, and this is a, an issue that is very key in servant leadership, in our philosophy, and we do have some ideas about what we do to combat this. I think the workplace today is different, and it's going to be different, and we need to keep that in mind because the folks coming into the work environment are different and want different things. But I do believe that we can do lots of things to improve those engagement statistics. What do you think, Robin? Well, I was going to have you share the story of, um, you know, you've been working for Art since uh, really before he even came to Daytron, his radio manufacturing company. So for many, many years you were, when you were with Daytron, share the story about how Art brought the mission, vision, purpose to life there for for the entire organization, from people working on the production floor, doing, 
you know, the same kind of routine over and over types of jobs that are very important, yet just repetition to high senior level strategic type right. of work. Right. Sure. Um, you know, when Art decided that we were going to be servant-led, one of the first things that he did in conjunction with uh, his senior management team and, and in fact, his wife, his family, um, was to come up with um, company values and also um, our mission and purpose, which is to positively impact lives today and in the future. To be, uh, it's not in the right order, but to be um, also self-sustaining um, which means no debt. And, um, you know, everybody's got a mission and a purpose statement and a vision statement and, you know, all those things. But Art actually encouraged us and show and led the way in using those things to make decisions in the company. And this is really key. So I can remember one year, um, it was coming up time when, when the decision had to be made about whether uh, bonuses were going to be paid that year. And um, we had said, we had this, you know, statement that we would be profitable and self-sustaining. And so Art asked, called everybody together, all hands meeting, everybody in the whole company, um, and asked them, should we give out bonuses? <laughs> And these folks actually voted, no, we shouldn't give out bonuses. Wow. Because we didn't do what we said we were going to do. Mm -hmm. And that made such an impression on me because these are folks that, um, you know, are working at a, a lower wage, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, and so for them to make that decision showed me um, that they really wanted to fulfill that mission and purpose. To be a self-sustaining and profitable right. the, company. The other part of that is um, Daytron makes radio equipment, and that radio equipment goes, um, in some cases, on the backs of soldiers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you have folks doing very repetitive work. Um, someone could say, you know, I, I screw in a screw all day, um, as the, the radios go down the assembly line, and how is there any meaning or purpose in that? So as servant leaders, it's really our job to point out what the meaning and purpose is in that. Right. And Art would say, the way one of the ways he would tie that in is he would say, do you want that radio to go on the back of your son or your daughter going into battle? And... Boy, that sure, you put it in those terms, mm -hmm. and that sure makes a big difference. I mean, it's going to make a big difference in your quality, for one thing, but also in how you look at your job. Your job is vitally important. And at the time, a lot of what um, Daytron was shipping, uh, you know, went into the Middle Eastern area. And so there was a very definite, you know, we understood the importance of what we did. And to talk about that I think is very very important and it was driven home over and over and over again um, and fit into our company values like our families come first 
which is one that if you if you ask, um, I think the population in that that company today, that's probably the first and foremost mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. they would remember and recall and live, and that is our families come first. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's very important, I think, if you want engaged employees to create values and mission and purpose that are meaningful for people. And bring it to life right. as you shared what art did. Don't just have it something that's hanging on the wall. Right. And one of the things we hear about so much today, Carol, is how millennials want purpose in what they mm-hmm. do. But we've always sort of made a case for We think everybody really does. We're happy that the millennials are bringing that to the forefront. Yes. But if we're really honest with ourselves, doesn't everybody want to feel that they matter and that there's a purpose to what they're doing, no matter how you know menial it may seem? So it's important to, especially for your millennials coming up, that they do feel engaged, that they have purpose in what they do. But it's really important for everybody, I think. Right. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, we always talk about money, 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 but really... Um, I've never met anybody who didn't want to think that they mattered and that what they do matters. That's exactly. part of being human. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think there are a whole lot of people out there that are motivated solely by money. Maybe I'm naive, but um, I think the meaning and the purpose is more important. Absolutely. So Art's gone over, as you've heard so far in our podcast, the nine servant leadership behaviors. Though if in practicing these behaviors, you are implementing servant leadership. And then we're moving toward taking that piece and bringing meaning and purpose to your mission, vision, and values. Yeah, let's go back to Art now. You school, you'll hear from Scott in a little bit um, tomorrow. He surveyed 400 young people that had graduated from college, been in the workplace for anywhere from five to 10 years, 400 of them, asked, are you happy with what you're doing? Are you working at a company where you thought you would be? How many do you think said yes? Anybody want to guess? 10, I have 10. Anybody else? Three out of 400 kids in the workplace are happy with what they're doing. They said, you teach us in school, you teach us how to do resumes, you teach us how to dress, you teach us you know, where we're going. Nobody helps us find our gifts and then helps us go work in their gifts. Nobody helps us do that. Why? Why? We have a university in North County, San Marcos, last year, 50% of their freshman class, first time that anybody in the families had gone to college. 50% of their freshmen was the first person in their family that had gone to college. That's life-changing, doing things different, all right? Why is it so important here in San Diego? Focus in on San Diego. Second largest millennial population per capita among the nation's largest cities. They make up 27% of San Diego's population. They have a hard time finding work. Only 59% are employed. Millennials. 
everybody likes to talk about millennials. Millennials are wonderful. Yes. <laughs> and I get very, very tired, as you know, Robin, <laughs> about people talking about millennials. I would venture to say that when baby boomers started going into the workforce, I don't know, maybe World War II had made the situation a little different, but when they went into the workforce, did people talk about them mm-hmm. the way we talk about millennials? <laughs> <laughs> and now, of course, we have Gen Z coming in as well. So for mm-hmm. the first time, there are what? Is it four five, or five? five? It's five different groups, if you will, um, working together. And I know I personally have heard, you know, repeatedly people, uh, you know, shaking their heads, holding their heads, saying, oh, those millennials. And um, it's to me, it's not very useful And as a servant leader, you need to be prepared that you are going to be leading millennials most likely until they take your place. And here's the other funny thing. A lot of people in the workforce raise those millennials, (laughs) and now they're working with them, and they're not so happy. (laughs) The the key part about a servant leader is meeting people where they are, getting to know them, understanding their language, how they work, what their strengths are, all of those kinds of things, no matter what generation you're working with, are important. So applying that servant leadership practice across all of your different generations you're working with will serve you very well and serve your team very well. So you're not necessarily going to treat each person the same, right? which right. isn't wise anyway. So it really is helpful for us to have this mindset as a servant leader that we're there to serve. We're there to bring value. Therefore, we must understand the different makeup of each person on your team. Right. And the other thing, you know, Art talks about um, the fact that we're not teaching, we're not helping young people find their gifts. And you being a coach, um, I know that, you know, I, I almost feel sometimes like, like coaching should be an automatic. It's it's something that, you know, uh, every company should be employing someone or paying someone to be a coach for their own employees and helping them to find where they really shine. We, in our servant leadership training, I know you know this, Robin, but I'll just share with our audience, we have a component of helping people find their strengths. We call it finding your motivated strengths. And we do that based on asking them to think back to a story in their own life. And actually, we have them do several stories where they felt really comfortable, really good about what they accomplished. And then to take a look at, well, what, what strengths and what skills did you display during that story? And we actually have them share it with their peers so they get peer input as well. And this helps them to isolate, you know, what really are my gifts? Mm-hmm. As, the serv- as that individual's leader, it really is your responsibility to then help that person to achieve what it is that makes their heart sing, you know? And that may not be in your department, but you need to be open enough to realize that and to, and to help that person um, find their place where they're supposed to be. 
Absolutely, and the other thing that art talks a lot about is that you know each generation has a lot to share. So we mm -hmm. have the pre-baby boomers still in the workplace, the baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, but each has something to contribute that maybe another generation didn't have. So really, not you know not withholding information like art right, talks about, but right. really sharing with one another what you know, yeah. how you've learned it. That's very different. And we do find our millennials in general, uh, while may seem very confident on the outside, sometimes need more reassuring and help that an older or you could say more seasoned person has to give, that they want to give back on something they may have learned or sh to share. So this is that collaborative culture mm -hmm. that we talk about that really servant leadership fosters. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a tough thing when you are, you know, depending upon what stage you are in your particular career, if you're toward the end, then, um, you know, it's hard to give up that place, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but so necessary. And if you, again, can think about your thinking. There you go. And get your head to the place where you look at leaving legacy as you go on to the next point in your life. Um, you know, leaving those younger ones with your legacy, which is this rich amount of information that you have. Exactly. And I like what you said the other day, Carol, when you were just talking about your imprint. Because some people mm. like, oh, legacy, they have a big thing with that. <laughs> but just your imprint. You were here. Yeah. You know, and, and that in itself can be motivating uh, for people to release and share what you know with one another. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's go back to art. We gotta do something different. We have to find purpose for these young lives coming out of college. We have to help them find their gifts so they can work in their gifts and be happy. Today we're being told on average millennials will be in a job for anywhere between two and three years. They'll have 25 jobs in their lifetime. I hope that estimate's wrong. But think about that as leaders you are going to have two years to influence a life. And if you don't influence them and give them something other than you got to help us make money, they're going to go somewhere else. They want purpose in their life. They want something above just making money. That's what's coming. And I applaud that group for doing that. I really do. Because they're putting purpose above money. And we have to help them do that. Now, getting a guy like me, 61 year, years old, to change my mindset, our, our measure of success was what? We went to work for a company. We stayed there for 10, 15 years. That was success. You don't have that today. You don't have that today. You're going to have two years to impact that life. If you're doing something great, you're going to have a little bit more time. The world's changing, and we've got to do something different. The other end of the spectrum, last year, there was a survey done of hospice nurses. Hospice nurses. They asked them, what is the, the, the item that most of your patients talk about? And they said, by far, the biggest regret they had, I wish I had the courage to live the life that was inside of me and not the life others expected of me. So we have people dying right now 
who wish they, they had the courage to live the life that was inside of them. We have kids in the university coming out of college. They want the same thing, but we're not doing anything different. Are they going to end up the same way? There's four generations there, folks. Are they going to end up different? I don't know. But I'm going to do everything I can to make sure we serve the people who want purpose in their life, who want to have meaning in their life, and not just cash or cars or houses. Now, those are all nice things. And if you own a house and a car, you're not a bad person. But we have to have purpose in our life. That's where our heart really, really takes off is when we have purpose in our life. We're a big fan of Greenleaf, Robert Greenleaf. But we also feel that his writings were done in the 1970s. That was a long time ago. We think today that servant leaders have a different definition of measurement of their work. I like the second half of Greenleaf's definition where they talk about do the people less fortunate than you, are they better off after they come in contact with you? I love that definition. Because it only takes a second to say hi. It only it takes a second to encourage people to do something different. It only takes a minute to impact the life by just talking to them or making eye contact with them. Inspiration. Finding and inspiring other people. We say that to serve people is to inspire and equip them. And that's really what Art's talking about when we talk about dealing with the millennial generation or Gen Zs, or really anybody who happens to be in our, our company, our organization, and that is to inspire them and equip them. You know, I've been thinking this week about the concept of hope, and hope is so key to people, and, and servant leaders really should be um, purveyors of hope. They should just go around spreading hope all over the place <laughs> as realistically as they can. But, you know, I like to say to people, the only thing we know for sure is that things are going to change. Mm -hmm. And even that silly little sentence can give people hope when they're in a bad spot. Absolutely. And, you know, we, servant leadership's a game changer. Yeah. Just change the world. And that's why we're so passionate about what we do. And I do want to um, kind of underline something we heard from Art about Robert Greenleaf's um, mm. writings about it starts with the natural feeling to serve. Right. And what Art's saying is he struggles with this is because he himself didn't feel the natural desire to serve. He came up through the power world. That's what he knew. And that's... And he's transformed and is transforming, as we all are, into a servant leader. So by challenging this and discussing it, what he's, his, his motivation comes from being providing hope to other people that if you don't have that natural sense to serve, you can still do this. Right. So we do love Greenleaf and that organization. And, you know, just as you know, um, been a big part of... of learning from, from right. Greenleaf. But it's important, I think, for Art to um, 
emphasize to people like, well, I don't have the natural feeling, so I'm not going near this. <laughs> he wants like, don't give up on yourself. So I just want to underline that because I've heard him say this so much. And it's like, I get what he's saying, but not everybody does, you know, yeah. and it's an important point because he's spreading hope. That's why he's taking this on. So to inspire and equip those you influence to make a positive difference in the world, is the mission of the Servant Leadership Institute. Mm -hmm. And that's why we do what we do, right? We want to keep spreading hope. Right, right, and and equip you. Um, that's very, very important to us. And equipping is a big, big concept, and I want, I want people to understand that it's more than just you're a new employee, I brought you in, I sat you down at a desk, I gave you a pencil, I showed you, you know, yeah. I showed you your job description, you're good. No, it's everything. I equip you, no matter what the issue may be, my role is to help you to um, find that meaning and purpose in what you do, to do your job well, so I'm going to train you. I'm going to help you when you struggle with certain programs or projects. I'm going to help you when you have conflict with other people. I'm always there, right, to um, share my expertise. If I don't know the answer, I'm there to say, I don't know the answer, but I'll get you an answer. And so the servant leader has this, you know, is like ever vigilant to make sure that people are equipped. And I've seen you do this, Robin, in your work with us. Um, to ensure that we have everything we need to be able to work smoothly and effectively. And, um, and you don't let that go you know, until it's resolved. Well, thank you for that, Carol. I think everybody that's listening can, can bring meaning to those words to inspire mm -hmm. and equip. What does it mean in your organization? Right. In some organizations, it, it, technology is critical. Equipment is critical. So the physicality of that word is critical. Mm -hmm. um, budget are an issue in nonprofits and everything, and they can't have the latest and greatest to equip everybody right. with that physical part. But there's processes that can be put in place that make things more efficient. There's listening to your employees that may be struggling with things that you can easily fix mm -hmm. that are equipping. So you have to really define for your organization what that means, mm -hmm. don't you think? Sure, sure, because it will be different. But I think, you know, I, I appreciate your elaboration on that because um, it is a big concept. It is. And, and part of taking care of people. So let's go back um, to hear a little bit more from Art. Great, here we go, here's Art. But I don't think serving is a natural feeling to serve. I think it can be learned. I think it has to be learned. And the characteristics, the behaviors of servant leaders, they can be learned. And starting with trust, it can be learned. Covey says, you can learn this behavior. You don't have to have a natural feeling. Now, helping others is in the unfolding of life's events. That's really what we're all about. And I think the measurement for servant leaders is the stories of those people that you influence. The stories that come out of the lives that you influence. Greenleaf says, do the, do the people grow? Are they better off? 
Are they likely to be servant leaders? I want to take that further and go, if you're going to be a servant leader, you have to impact lives. Because that's what it's all about. Servant is an action word. It means go help people. It's not just about us. The unfolding of lives events. We all have personal things that impact us in our day-to-day work, right? Everybody? I have it every, all the time. All the time. And I have people around me that help me through those lives events. I'm thankful for them. Isn't that what we do? We just don't say, hey, eight to five, you're, you're mine. And oh, by the way, outside of that, I don't care about your life anymore. You have to care about that life. You have to. Because that's what the society is all about. Community. Set of principles and practices that turn the traditional positional leadership model upside down. We want to inspire and equip you. And it isn't about those who report to us. It's about those who we influence. How many of you have kids? Have your kids ever said something you didn't like, but you knew exactly where they got it from? Did you influence that life in a way that you didn't, couldn't figure out how you influenced them? Yeah. Yep, same thing happens in companies. You say or do something or not do something or go, they're going to follow you and they're going to behave just like you do because that's the culture you're going to create. Looks like a pyramid scheme to me. This is what we operate to today. We put the CEO at top. And I love what Ken Blanchard taught me. He says, all right, when you're sitting at the top of that pyramid, who's above you to serve? Who's above you to serve? There's nobody there. We've got to turn it upside down. We take the model, power model, and we turn it upside down. Leaders are at the bottom of that pyramid because our job is to serve and help everyone that we influence. At Daytron, I don't publish an org chart. I take heat from people because I don't have an org chart. But the culture we're trying to create is I want people to go to anybody at any time about anything. I don't want them to look at an org chart and say, I got to go up the org chart to get the answer I need to go serve my customer. Why can't they just go talk to people and get what they need to serve your customers? Why do they have to go through an org chart? Is it because all the knowledge resides at the top of the pyramid? In my company, if I went out and made radios, I will guarantee you, guarantee you, not one would be shipped out the back door. Because that's not my gift. It's not my gift. Isn't it our responsibility as leaders to also work within our gifts and not think that we know everything? Big difference. Big difference. The outcomes, we talked about the purpose. You're going to empower people. And like what one of the things that Ken says, empowerment is in the moment. Empowerment isn't a strategic plan. You're going to empower someone in the moment. Do it in the moment. Everybody put your, put your hands together. Clench your fists. What can you feel? You feel tension? That's a leader holding on to power. Now, let it go. 
Now what do you feel? Relief. It feels great, doesn't it? Give your power away. Because that's how you're going to feel. You're holding it right now. Give it away. Exercise I did with my team. I, I got all excited at an off-site quarterly meeting. I didn't want to. I did. We call it passion in my company. It really stands for the CEOs being a little bit unreasonable, all right, in the discussion. I went and got a rubber ducky from one of our um, managers, came back, I gave this to Irwin. said, Irwin, you now have control of my lips. I can't talk unless I have that rubber ducky in my hands. What would happen if you gave that rubber ducky away in your organization and said, I'm going to be quiet for a while and listen to the people who know how to do what they're supposed to do? Empower in the moment. Don't put it in a strategic plan because all you're doing is going to shove it in the drawer and come back to it next year and go, yeah, we empowered. Oh, yeah, we did. But we need to do it some more. Do it in the moment. Engagement, 70%. Unengaged. Unbelievable stat. We want leaders to help others understand a life of significance and not success. I came up in the business world in Orange County. My dream was to retire at 40 on a home out in Newport Island with a yacht out in front of the home. I didn't have a plan to get there, but that's what, I, that's what I called success. Today, significance in my life is helping people find purpose. Helping people who are taking care of other people. Give the money away and let people help. People on the front lines and charitable organizations. Give it away. Give it away. And watch how you're going to feel. It's pretty powerful. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Everybody can serve. I don't think it has to be a natural feeling. I think everybody wants to help other people. But they're afraid to live the life that's inside of them because they want to live the life that's expected of them. Let's change that. Let's live the life that's inside of us. Let's be who we are not what someone else wants us to be. Let's change what we're thinking. The transformation we're going to help you talk about today and tomorrow is one of a butterfly. And you're going to start off, if you're new to servant leadership, you're hanging on the bridge right there, right there on the branch. And you're going to grow a little bit, you're going to learn, and you're going to change. And then you're going to do something a little bit different. You start to come out of your shell and start to be the person that's inside of you. Does this transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly, does it face challenges in the environment that it's in? If it doesn't protect itself, is it going to be exposed to sunlight, rain, wind? You guys are going to run across challenges in your leadership lives. So maybe, sometimes, your transformation has to take a step backwards because you need to learn a little bit more. But then you're able to step forward and maybe go to the next level. And then maybe to the next level. And then maybe you gotta come back. 
But at this point, people are starting to see something different in you as a leader. They're going, maybe Art's serious about this stuff. Maybe he's serious about leading differently. Maybe he really wants us to be a better organization. I'm going to keep watching him. Now, when I went into Datron for the first time back in 97, as their VP of Finance, I went in at a time where they had just finished trying the latest and greatest in a quality system. Anybody been in that in an organization where every year is something new? You never get to the point where you want to implement something. I love it when leaders say, we're going to try this. Look up the word try. And you'll find that the word try doesn't give any definition of commitment. It says, we're going to go see if it works. So as a leader, when you say try, you're telling your organization, you know what, we're going we're to go see how this thing goes, and then we're going to see if it really changes us. But then I have an out if it doesn't, and the first sign of challenge is I get to, I get to go back to my old ways. Now, when you have to go back in your transformation, you have to have people around you that will give you grace. You have to give grace. One day with my senior team, seven, eight years ago, we were going through a, a tough conversation. I said, you know what? I would like to have you extend me the same amount of grace that I extend to you. And something clicked with that, with that comment. Grace is a two-way street. Leaders make mistakes. Leaders aren't perfect. They're human beings. Humans make mistakes. We have to forgive. We have to forget. And we have to extend grace. It goes both ways. Because if you don't, their transformation can't go to the next level. You can influence people above you as much as people below you by what you do and say. That's powerful. We trained everyone in Daytron on servant leadership. Everybody. And the reason we did that is we wanted everybody to go through the same training. But what we found out down the road is when we had someone who wasn't leading in the way we wanted, they were surrounded by servant leaders. Everywhere. They had nowhere to go. So what did they do? They left the company. We helped them leave the company. Now, I like what uh, the head of, of Ford did. He says, you know, when people don't get what I'm talking about, he says, he says that's okay. It's okay. And he just keeps saying it's okay. But at about the fourth okay, he says, this okay means that I need to help you go find another job. And I'm going to help you do that. Servant leaders don't stop when the employment relation stops. Our job is to help them find a job that will help them. Help them understand who they are, their weaknesses, their strengths. But here's some of the things we can do. We can make that transition easier by maybe saying your employment relationship is going to end on the 5th of the month instead of the 25th. Anybody know what that does to them? Gives them another 30 days of free benefits. Who cares? 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks for a life? When we hit some tough times five or six years ago, we had to lay some people off. We did that exact same thing. We gave benefits longer. But here's what was interesting. We had to learn this. 
is we had the same mentality that when we laid people off, we didn't trust them that day. The day before, we trusted them. They had access to their computer, access to their desk, to their work stuff. But just because I didn't do my job as a leader and I had to lay them off, the next day I don't trust them. And I have to say, go to HR and go to the door. We changed that philosophy and said, when we have to do that again, we're going to let people stay the day. It's your choice. Stay and talk to the people you work with. Go finish your, your, your work. Go transition to someone. But we let them stay because we trusted them the same that day than we did the day before. We failed in our job to keep them employed, and we didn't trust them. That's the difference in servant leadership. The caring doesn't stop with the employment contract or the paycheck. I had a leader say once, you know, this is what I tell people. I sign the front of the check, and you sign the back of the check. Think about what that tells someone. Isn't that leadership malpractice? I've got the power because I'm giving you a paycheck. So do something different. Think differently. Treat people differently. And you're going to get into a transformation that people are going to go, wow, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. And you'll get to a point where you can't turn it around. That's what I love about servant leadership. Once it gets started and people latch onto it and take ownership of it in the organization, it's going because it belongs to the, to the folks, to the people. The biggest challenge I had as a leader was understanding that my folks were at different spots on the branch. I had to understand I had some that were beginning, some that were close to the end, some in the middle, some that were stuck. And I had to manage that transformation of them as leaders. And I also had to get results. Because we can't put our organizations on hold, right? And wait for results. Go to the board and say, I'm going to implement servant leadership so I don't have to meet my plan for the next 12 months. I'm not going to fly. I have to get results. And that's how we do it. Live your transformation. Live it with everybody you come in contact with, regardless if you like them or not. And treat everyone, everyone, with dignity and respect as a leader. And then sit back and watch what happens. Well, that was chock full of information there. Certainly, certainly appreciate that. Um, you know, for our last sort of topic to discuss is, is this topic of transformation. And what does transformation really mean for you, Robin, as opposed to change? Hmm. That's a great question. I'm just <laughs> trying to remember that great slide you sent me the other day. Uh, was so perfectly said. You know, um, change is just doing things differently. And transformation is being different in the world. It was something like that, exactly. right? So we are really, and that's such a big word. Sometimes I don't mm -hmm. like to use it. It's like, ah, it's overwhelming for people, transformation. Yeah, yeah. But it is being different in the world, to put it quite simply. Well, I have, I have two little examples of that as I, was, as I was thinking about, listening to art and thinking about this idea of transformation. One of them is, you mentioned earlier that before we recorded, you went in and spent a few minutes in meditation. That is a transformative act. You've discovered through your learning that that puts you into a different state of mind, mm 
mm-hmm. helps you in your thinking, makes you more effective. And so you've, it isn't like um, you, you go in every day with this, oh, I ha-, you know, number one, two, and three, I have to fulfill this day. It's not like that. It's you've recognized it as being so helpful to your life that it actually becomes part of who you are. Mm-hmm. If I put that in really practical servant leader terms, think about this idea of I come into work and when I walk through the door, I think to myself, how am I going to serve today? Mm. Or who can I serve today? So your way of thinking actually becomes different. And the behavior change, the change part, comes as a result of that transformation. Well said. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I was able to put together in my own brain when it when it came to this idea of transformation. And you're right; it's such a big word; it can be scary to people and kind of put them off. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a really important word, really important word. And if you want to be, you know, um, a capable, successful servant leader, it's very, very necessary. Absolutely, that's so well said. And one thing is for sure, you know, art, we joke a lot about just internally our group joking about the crappy side of leadership. He keeps <laughs> yeah. threatening he's going to write a book with that title. But, you know, <laughs> the essence of it is it, if you are a leader, you are dealing with some very difficult stuff. Right. Um, and it pulls you down sometimes. It just, it does. But these practices that we talk about um, at the Institute, our nine servant leadership mm-hmm. behaviors, will pull you out, will give you a right. roadmap of, of doing something transformative, changing your behavior, and it will pull you out of that muck just like that. It happens to me all the time. Right. <laughs> because it's just, you, you know, when we run an organization, there's a lot of things yeah. going on. And the behaviors don't tell you what not to do they tell you what to do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is very positive. The concept is very positive behind this. And um, I think folks will find that it, they're far more successful focused on those um, rather than, well, I shouldn't do this and you know, I shouldn't do that and this person did this horrible thing and, you know, <laughs> All those tough, really, really tough issues. Yeah, and I do want to note, um, with no shame, I want to tell everybody to go to our our website Mm. and go to our store, and you can buy very affordably a pack of servant leadership behavior cards. And during the holidays, you can pass them out to your colleagues and to your friends. And Carol has actually written great little notes under each behavior that helps you understand what they mean, like live your transformation. There's actually notes under there, so they're super helpful. We put them as affordably as we can make it to yeah. just, so there's you can easily do this for people. So I really encourage you to go to our website and, and, and get a pack of those cards to share during the holiday season. How about that? Yeah, that's a great idea. You can pair it up with a coffee cup or a scratcher yeah. or <laughs> whatever whatever <laughs> you think is appropriate. <laughs> Don't get us started. Okay, let's wrap it up here, Carol. We've got a few notes we want to share with everybody about our conference coming up. Yes. 
very, very exciting and so much. We are in the thick of it, folks, as far as planning the conference. And <clears throat> pardon me. And I think I can safely say this lineup of speakers that you are going to see are just they're gonna it's gonna knock your socks off. So we really hope that you will be able to join us and decide to join us. Um, but we're going to go a little bit, Robert and I are going to go a little bit into the detail of some of these folks that we have coming to, um, to help us learn over the two days in March. That is March 4th and 5th in sunny Carlsbad, California at the Weston Resort and Spa in Carlsbad. So we're really, really looking forward to it. Robin, who shall we hope open with here? Well, you know what? Um, first and foremost, we have our CEO and founder, Art Barter, who you've just listened to. And he's going to kick it off with, are you able, is our theme. And he's going to mm. really define mm -hmm. what that means. I will tell you one thing. I talk to so many people that say, I've been to your conference many times. I want to come. I just don't have the time. It's not even the money often that prevents people. It's hmm. taking the time. Yeah. So this, are you able, is can you do this? Are you able to invest in yourself and, and do what it takes to be this great leader that can really make a difference? So Art will start out by going over and refreshing about the behaviors again, and you can always learn something, even if you've heard it time and time again. I guarantee he's going to have a little more uh, information, anecdote, something that strikes you that maybe yeah. didn't before. And, and in our audiences, we always have the whole rainbow, if you will, of folks. In other words, we have absolute beginners, people who don't know about servant leadership at all. They're just right. curious, and that's why they've come to the very, very experienced. So art will really be our, our foundational piece. Right, and then um, we're going to bring uh, Carla Riger in for the first time out of Vancouver. And we're excited about her piece of work, The Artistry of Change. And we spend a lot of time finding each of these presenters because it's not only important that they have a body of work that resonates and aligns with the Institute, but that they really are that person out there doing the good work, mm. behaving the talk, if you will. Yes, yes. And, and I just kind of like to um, go over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read for a minute, if you don't mind, about Carla's statement about what she will be presenting. And, uh, and I quote, the resilient servant leader helps themselves and others break free of the stress response and the power over others' instincts. After 11 years of research, we've identified the top three habits of servant leaders who stay solutions-oriented, centered, and empowering in the face of challenges. And we call these people change artists. The skills of a change artist don't actually need to be learned. They're innate skills that you just need to remember to access. That is fascinating to Isn't me. Isn't it? So come and hear Carla, folks, and become change artists. I love it. And here's the other thing about <laughs> Carla. She's funny. Oh, my gosh. And we here at the Institute, we all have great sense of humor. I think yeah. we enjoy having a good time and learning through people that can do it in such a way that's engaging. And she's, you're going to really enjoy her. So we're, we look forward to <laughs> having Carla with us for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Really neat. Now, we also have coming back for a repeat performance by because, popular demand. <laughs> because everybody just loves this lady, Vicki Floyd Clark. And Vicki, this time, this year, 
will be going into the area of diversity and inclusion for us. And so we're calling her talk Diversity and Conclusion Making Us Able. And uh, really fascinating, so looking forward to her where, where we are going to learn the importance of diverse perspectives when we're planning and decision making. We're going to talk about um, how to function as a diversity advocate within your organization and just in general it will spill over into your membership as a citizen and you know society in general and then to also recognize both conscious and unconscious bias and incorporate strategies to deal with that. It's going to be profound folks and in this case, when we talk to Vicki about, you know, she's just a tr true servant leader. She's mm. like, how can I best serve? What right. would you like me to talk about? And being she's out throughout the country traveling someplace different every week, if you mm -hmm. follow her on social media, that help us bring something different to this subject matter of diversity and inclusion yeah. for all of our HR folks that attend the conference, particularly that there's so much that's been done. Right. You know, so this, this is really challenging us about something different here. Right. Um, so that's, you know, that's what Vicki's going to be talking about. We're really excited for that. Now, this, now we're going to do something we haven't really done before. And that is we are going to present you a panel of practitioners. So this is a group of people who are actually out there right now, today, practicing things in their organizations to begin or to, and to continue this process of culture change towards servant leadership. Exactly, and what we're so excited about this practitioner session is because each individual, and you'll see them all on our website, each individual as a, is at a different level of different size organizations. So we wanted to be able to really communicate that you don't have to be at the top. Right. And each one is gonna share lessons learned, if you will, challenges, and then we'll open it up for question and answers. So we know all of the people on this session, uh, in this session very well, and we know you're gonna just be thrilled by all of their uh, great uh, insights they have to servant leadership. Yes, yeah, so we're really excited about that. And then we have um, another young lady who has, who has been uh, at our conferences before and spoken, and she's coming down from Canada and that is Olivia McIver, who is in the business of kindness. And that's in fact one of the titles, uh, the title of one of her books. And Olivia is a very um, knowledgeable person in that area and a big, big advocate for servant leadership, as you can imagine. So we're really looking forward to having Olivia and her program is going to be very exciting in that she is, it's sort of a two-parter. And she is bringing in three individuals from Kaiser Permanente uh, to talk with us about the um, journey that they have gone through in their organizations. So it will be um, some storytelling of the challenges and the triumphs and the learnings that these three leaders experienced as they integrated this concept of a blueprint for um, positive cultural enrichment in their organizations based on this idea of kindness. 
And so they're going to report on their findings, what their challenges and their triumphs were. And then Olivia is going to go into sort of a part two, which she's calling kindness, the new morale. And she's going to be teaching us about how to sort of um, how to make kindness a structured part of your organization. And there are actually 12 traits that she'll be reviewing with us uh, that support putting kindness into place in your organization. And these sessions are very interactive mm. because we all learn better than just sitting there listening yeah. uh, to a lecture, if you yeah. will. So uh, we bring in people that have that special gift of engaging and, and we have other great speakers as well, including Ken Blanchard, of course, who I believe has been at every single one of our conferences, mm -hmm. and we just can't do a conference without him. <laughs> he's, as you know, Ken's just, he's just so easy to listen to and learn from, but he also always gives us a bunch of giggles, and that's yeah. important. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Learning is wonderful when you can laugh. So servant leadership in action from Ken Blanchard, and there's Jeff Foley, who's gonna teach us about really the essence of servant leadership in the military, which right. um, you know has the classic power model, so that's gonna be fascinating. We have Kelly Cardenas. Read all about them, if you will, on our website, because there's so much information there. And we just encourage each and every one of you to, to be able, to be able to be with us at this extraordinary event coming up in March. Yeah, it's, it's truly gonna be exceptional. And uh, as Robin said, all the information is on the website, including the link to registration, which is very important. And uh, you know, don't don't uh, procrastinate on this one because uh, you know we have we do have a very intimate setting. We purposely keep it that way, and we want you to be able to reserve your seat. And don't forget, we have an early bird special to the end of the year. Ooh. And uh, we always do sell out the conference because we do keep it small, up to about 300 people. So um, let's do this. Yeah, All I right. think we're able. I think we are. <laughs> I think we're. Well, it's been a pleasure um, being with you, Carol, and um, so appreciate our podcast audience for uh, being with us. And um, we look forward to hopefully seeing many of you at the conference. Yeah, that will be absolutely wonderful. And thank you so much, Robin, for being with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, you all, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you, thank you for allowing us to do what we do. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Registration for our upcoming 2019 Servant Leader Conference is open. The theme this year is, Are You Able? It's a simple question that holds a lot of weight. Visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to get all the details about how to register. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.